Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the TV Pilot's License Flight Number 19 with service to TV Heaven, a.k.a. Cancellation. We ask that you please fasten your <laughs> headphones at this time, secure your podcasting device, and remember that even if your flight gets canceled, you can always cherish the memories you've made along the way. Welcome to the TV Pilot's License. My name is Jeff Curvis, joined Perfect. by Max Singer and Rich Inman. Last show of the season, of the year, y'all. Happy, absolutely, ha- Yagshimayak. Yeah, no, end of twenty twenty two. How are you feeling about that? Oh, God, it's it's a uh, it's bittersweet. I'm uh, I mean, I'm excited for the new year, both uh, you know, personally and uh, you know, pilot season. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's been crazy. We've been doing this show since since September now. Thank you to everyone who's been tuning in. Follow us along the way on this journey. Uh, we're excited to have you. Thank you all. And Rich, how about yeah, you? Absolutely. Um, well, uh, I am super excited for the new year with you guys as well. Uh, I mean, this has been like a really exciting journey for, that we've been on together. Uh, and guess what? You can't get canceled if no one's giving you money. So suck it. <laughs> <laughs> if well, you're listening to this, I want you to know from the bottom of all of our hearts, suck it. Oh my gosh. Well, uh, I will say from the bottom of my heart for anyone who's joined us uh, this in this wild ride that we call our podcast, uh, thank you. Um, but this this episode, I'm not even going to ask Max, Max to explain what our podcast is all about because we're doing something a little bit different. Um, instead of talking about a beloved TV show or maybe a cult classic or something that has recently uh been like a brief flame uh we're going to all talk about a tv show that premiered and got canceled in the year of our lord 2022 uh so as we go into this rich do you have a question of the week for us yeah i sure do um because i know we're about to get I can tell from both of your facial expressions, we're about to get pretty negative. (laughs) (laughs) So I'd like to liven up the mood a little bit and say, and ask if there are any shows that debuted this year that you do like, and you actually are going to keep watching because we're not talking about those Uh, this year or this week. What a great question. Um, I think if I have to go to one, because I am the self-designated comic book Star Wars nerd of all of us. Um, I'm going to have to shout out Andor. Absolutely amazing show. Not even just like good Star Wars show, just a great show with really well-built characters on a, you know, if I was to tell someone, hey, we're going to do this like very small period of time before like Star Wars really existed in the minds and hearts of people, but like before. After the prequels, a lot of you would say, like, why would I care? But I have gotten so invested in Andor as a whole and the characters. And I think it's just a lovely show. And 10 out of 10 would recommend. Yeah, if you you want to hear a podcast talk about some of the amazing shows that debuted this year, such as... uh, Severance, Yellow Jackets, Wednesday. Uh, there's plenty of other podcasts you can listen to. They're going to talk about those shows. Uh, they're all they're all wonderful. They've all either gotten Emmy nominations or deserve Emmy nominations in the future. Um, we're not doing those shows today. Uh, <laughs> I I want to give a, a shout out to well, one Severance. I'm super excited to see where that's going to go in the future. I think mm. that the cliffhanger of season one uh, is so captivating. I think they're building a really cool world there. Um, 
But I also want to shout out a show over at FX uh, called Fleischman is in Trouble, uh, starring Jesse Eisenberg, uh, Lizzie Kaplan, I've wanted Claire to start Gaines, watching that. and Adam Brody. It's just, it's really good adult TV. It's one of those shows where there's, there's so much dialogue, but everybody just bodies it. Like everyone keeps up with like the flow and the pacing of it so nicely. It's really sharply written. It's really funny. It utilizes um, like flashbacks and alternating timelines in a really interesting way. And it's just a really good adult dramedy. And uh, it's, it's definitely not a bingeable show. Like you watch one and you need a break. Uh, you, know, you need a <laughs> cigarette and a drink afterwards, but it, it's really good TV. I definitely recommend checking that out. Rich, yeah, what about I, you? I, absolutely. Uh, well, I've heard amazing things about both of those shows. Um, Jeff, I've heard uh, personally, as we discussed in the Batman episode, I have an aversion to things that have 19 million like retellings of the same story, which is what has turned me off of a lot of the Star Wars properties like uh, The Mandalorian or literally any of the last like seven movies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I have heard from like a, a non like superhero non uh geek culture perspective that it is like actually a legitimately good show on its own um definitely heard some amazing things about fleischman is in trouble uh severance is definitely at the top of my list for this year that was a show that was extremely surprising um how good it was and um you know i think uh I i'm also going uh, the bearer was also exceptional a lot of people talked about oh, yeah. this year oh yeah um but um but also i want to uh give a shout out to a show that is going that is ending right now and or just uh aired its um last episode fairly recently but the r.i.p to the wonderful show that was atlanta mm. and mm -hmm. that i loved absolutely with my entire heart every show felt like every episode felt like a movie Every episode felt like a different type of movie and in a way that community couldn't do. And um, yeah, I'm just going to deeply, deeply miss that show. And just knowing that there's no future episodes to look forward to either this year or like in the coming years is going to be pretty upsetting. But, um, you know, what a I mean, I don't know if you guys caught the the goofy movie episode, but oh it was God. like, oh, it's so it's so friggin' funny and so stupid. And I obviously loved Donald Glover for a very, very long time since he was in that um, uh, Derek comedy sketch group at NYU. And you can definitely still see, despite all of like the prestige of Atlanta that that, be, that came about, you can still see that exact same type of uh, humor in that in that Goofy movie episode. And it felt like very comforting to know that he still has that in him. Yeah, something that Atlanta did over its time that I just I loved so much and, and the Goofy movie episode really highlighted that to like its highest form um atlanta could take a really small bit of like internet culture or like an internet mm -hmm. meme and they could blow it into such a deeper developed thought out joke yes. or plot point and it wasn't like making a reference to a meme for the sake of making a reference something that was topical or pop culture it was like really taking it to a level that you can't even imagine getting to on your own and I'm I'm going to miss seeing that on TV for sure. Yeah. Anyone who knows me knows that I am a gigantic fan of Donald Glover in everything that he does. It It is, he is probably my favorite creator. Um, and I use that term creator rather than 
artist yeah. because he literally does everything. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, and I can confidently say, maybe sometime in 2023, Atlanta might have to uh, be one of the shows that we do on this podcast. Oh, uh, 100%. 100%. Well, for today, unfortunately, we're not doing any of those shows. <laughs> uh, but we're going to do something a little bit different. We gave each other a little bit of separate homework. We each watched a pilot of a TV show that was canceled this year and decided to bring it in, talk a little bit about what the show is about, how it was made, things that happened in the episode, and see if we do a decent enough job of selling said show to our fellow co-pilots. So I'm going to begin just to kick things off. And I did the Fox TV show of Monarch. So little synopsis for you fellows. The Romans have created a country music dynasty, but when their reign as country royalty is put in jeopardy, Nicolette will stop at nothing to protect her family's legacy. Now, I feel... you like, stop and just say, like, how, like, like, ham-fisted it is to call the family the Romans and to say that they created an empire? Oh, (laughs) it's it's a little too... It's way too easy. So, let's just start off with, like, a couple of things. One, I'm recording in my not-usual place. I'm recording in Nashville, which you would think is the home of country music in the current state. Is that Jack White behind you? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But... This show actually takes place in Texas, and they're really trying to shove it down your throat that Texas is the place for country music. Um, But I want to talk a little bit about the history of the show because it's super duper interesting what went into it. Um, So this show was basically the first TV production that the creator, Melissa London Hilfers, was a part of. She had created some shorts and produced some shorts as well. Uh, but she, there's a ton of star, when I say star power, folks who are, have history within the industry behind her. John Herman Fellman, uh, who you might know for working on things like Dawson's Creek. Gail Herman, uh, who was responsible for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel, Malcolm in the Middle, Bernie Mac. She basically created reality tv as we know it on fox with things like american idol hell's kitchen nine uh nanny 911 she also saw the creation of arrested development the oc bones family guy and more recently she was an ep on wednesday on netflix so there is a lot going on and then the director director of the show uh was jason eisler who started off in marketing for a lot of big tv shows but he also has directed a ton of TV shows that might sound familiar, West Wing, Scrubs, Psych, Gossip Girl, Chuck, um, a ton. His resume is gigantic. Um, and there's, there's hope for you guys to direct TV yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm really I'm really hoping my fourth career based is. On, based on my pilot, I bet I could do it. <laughs> <laughs> so one other interesting fact about this show was this show was considered a first for Fox and it was wholly owned and produced by Fox Entertainment Studios. The idea behind this is hysterical looking back now that the show was canceled. The idea was, let's create a studio structure where we don't have everyone giving notes on different levels, but instead just have one group of people that are responsible for picking the show, producing the show, and putting it to air. Um, 
show was originally called the Untitled Country Music Dynasty. It was purchased in <laughs> 2021. Uh, and it also... No one, no one tell Jeff that's a placeholder. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there was... Uh, Michael Rausch was also involved in co-creating the show. He was supposedly in the background helping Melissa London. So the episode that we're talking about is Stop at Nothing. Number one. On this show, on this, on like the face value, this show cannot miss because Susan Sarandon and Trace Atkins both star as like, I almost want to imagine them as like, imagine if Tim McGraw and Dolly Parton were married. That is sort of the vibes mm. and the energy that they're giving off. Uh, they are really this can't miss couple. They own all of the hits in this universe. If you think of a country music hit that was sung by a woman, it was not sung by whom we know it singing. It was sung by uh, Dottie. So an example, Man, I Feel Like a Woman, Shania Twain exists in this universe, but Dottie made the song famous. Um, absolutely <laughs> bonkers mindset. They have three kids. What, what, yeah. what an insane premise. So would they do that? So the show definitely mixes. They do covers of really famous songs. And then they also have a few songs that they have actually made and produced for these singers. Oh boy. Um, so they, they're basically like, what if Elvis existed yeah. in, in, you know, 2018 or whatever? Yeah, no, it is cool. It, it's insane. Um, let's talk about all the things that happen in this episode because they're expecting a lot of you. And if we found anything, it's pilots that pack way too much in that seem to be a little bit worrisome. So at the beginning, we start off with just three months earlier or three months later. That is what the title is. Trace Adkins shoots someone, a shadowy figure with a shotgun and says, a Roman never forgets a friend or an enemy. And then, boom, and we cut immediately wow, to dramatic. a gigantic press conference. Wow. Yeah, gigantic press conference that has big, uh, before uh, the CMAs. It, yeah, it definitely is. I'm was like, okay, I'm in. Like, let's let's do this. Um, CMAs. We find out that Susan Sarandon's character is getting the uh, Lifetime Achievement Award, but then there's rumors in the press that she has actually planted that she has cancer. So everyone's sort of like, how long do you have to live at her press conference for the Lifetime Achievement Awards? Um, spoiler alert, uh, she does in fact have terminal cancer. Uh, she mm -hmm. only has months to live, supposedly. Um, well, we have Trace Adkins and Susan Sarandon. The real focus of the show is the children. Um, so we have Nicolette, who's played by Annie Friel, who was in Pushing Daisies. Uh, she's been groomed to be Dottie's successor of like this next big, big thing in country. But just like in Hollywood, if you're a woman over the age of 40 in country music, guess what? You don't have a future of being a star in country music. Uh, then there is uh, Gigi Georgina, played by Beth Ditto. I know her from the band Gossip, and she was definitely brought in to be the powerhouse singer of this show. Um, she's not... A singer by trade though instead she owns a country bar in texas uh and she got out of the family business because of body image issues and her family not being okay with her sexuality um as a whole very complicated history then we have luke roman who's played by joshua sassy uh who if you watch gallivant is sir gallivant amazing voice 
one of these guys where you're like, oh, cool, he's going to be singing all the time. Nope. He's the CEO of the record family record label. So a lot of confusing uh, things. There's a lot of stuff that I would love to cover that happens in this. But we don't have two hours um, because I think I could do a entire thesis about this show. But let's talk about a couple of other highlights. Dottie receives her Lifetime Achievement Award but chooses not to sing, uh, which is deemed controversial. They have a family reunion where we get everyone singing, including the kids who also want to be singers in the family business. But we find out that Nicolette's husband is cheating on her with a movie star. More to come on that. Uh... At the end of the family reunion, Gigi decides to come out of singing retirement and basically lets Nicolette know that the only reason she stopped singing is because Nicolette wanted it more and Gigi knew she would outshine her. So that's a plot line that we could possibly go. But before we have this big sing-off at the family reunion, Susan Sarandon's character goes to Nicolette and says, you're going to help me kill myself. That That is, yeah. But let's just huh. just simmer on that for a little bit. Okay. So Nicolette says no at first. At the end of the family reunion, basically Dottie is like, Nicolette's going to do it. Nicolette's going to help me kill myself. We start to see some shady shit happen in the background. Like Dottie's been giving this random lawyer who represents these shady people $50,000 a month every month for like years because they have some dirt on her. Um, and as she's preparing to what she thinks will be her demise, she goes and she gives her like last words to everyone on her terms. Dottie is very much a her terms human being. Um, and the wildest conversation that happens is she goes to Trace Adkins, uh, character, Albie, and she says, do you have any regrets? Do you have anything that like secrets or things that you've never told me? Because he's... He's called the Texas Truth Teller. That is his nickname. <laughs> He's uh, got a lot God, of nicknames. What a, what a horrible nickname. Yeah. And then he admits that he had an affair with a woman who worked on their property. Uh, but he, like, I don't even want to say he called it off. She disappeared after there was a gigantic barn fire at her property. As he is saying this, we see a flashback to young Dottie, who is played by Susan Sarandon's daughter, which I thought was a great little touch. Uh, and she lit the fire of the barn and we hear screaming from the barn. So we know that Dottie killed this woman. Um, Dottie slaps him, says she knew all along. And then two minutes later, we see Susan Sarandon uh, overdose on uh, pain pill medication because her daughter throws it down her throat makes her drink, and then Gigi sees uh, her sister standing over her dead mom holding the bottle of pills. That's the end of the episode. Jesus. So. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. All of the marketing for this show is season surrender. Yes, yes, that is. So I have. Let me go back in time. So I have some legacy stuff I want to talk about. Uh, this show had 11 episodes. It just recently was announced its cancellation. Fun fact, the show, the premiere episode was the most watched fall scripted debut for Fox in the past three years, which, yeah, which is, that is saying something. There are some other big shows that have made it through Sorry, Fox. Jeff, there's, there's like so many contingencies on that as you went down the line. It's the most watched 
fall debut. Like, okay, okay. On Fox, okay. In the last three years, I'm like, uh, what? What's what's premiered? I don't know. <laughs> um. So, but like, it definitely got people really excited because they were like, oh, cool. We have this really big premiere. People tuned in. I think this show could have survived if they marketed it differently and surprised everyone with Susan Sarandon being in the show. But Max, as you said, I literally looked back at all of the promos for the show. Every single one. I spent way too much time learning about the marketing of the show. Everyone focused on Susan Sarandon as a character, as a whole. And if you want to say a show is a failure because they kill off the marketed character in the first 50-minute episode of the show, or 45-minute episode of the show, you might be correct. Now, spoiler alert for everyone who is listening. I have watched eight episodes of this show with my wife. This is not the first time I saw this pilot. Um, eight episodes? Wow. Eight episodes. You give it a hell of a chance. Um, they use Susan, Spora- Susan Sarandon so sporadically. It should be Susan Sporadic Sarandon. Uh, throughout ah. the <laughs> the Man, entirety love... of this episode of uh, this show, incredible nicknames all around. Um, but yeah, I I said a lot. What are your two? Based off of everything I said, I know you probably have more questions than thoughts. Give me a couple questions well, that you might have. Yeah, I mean, from the premise of it, immediately it sounds like they want to make uh, Empire, but for white country music fans. Like Empire and, meets Yellowstone? Am I getting that? Yeah. I, I sort of got that too. The other one was, I think Fox watched the show Nashville that yeah. happened on ABC and was like, like a long ooh. time ago, right? It was like in the mid 2010s, right? Okay. And they were like, ooh, we want to make a version of that too, but it can't be in Nashville. It has to be in <laughs> Texas. Um, and I also, my wife and I throughout watching this series have debated like, do we think that Texas just pulled up and as like a state and was like, here's all the money and we won't charge you taxes to be able to film this show here. Like there's just, and it's not a cheap show either. Gigantic set pieces are used like wild amounts of effort here. 10 gallon hats. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. So I I, I am curious about, you know, obviously Nashville is the, the, like the epicenter of country music. However, country music has kind of branched off into like you know regular country and bluegrass and then also stadium country which uh which i don't know if stadium country has its foothold in like texas uh, yeah in particular or something so like it's definitely the type of music that they choose to do is very much i like calling it pop country right mm. because it's stuff that you could listen on the radio and they take a lot of pop songs and turn them into the country version mm-hmm. of them mm-hmm. which is a choice like Will I lie? <laughs> Which what? is a choice. But like, I will say this. Trace Adkins sings a lot in this show. And I'm like, cool. I love Trace Adkins. I think he's a great country star. And like, Susan Sarandon can sing. Uh, the actress who plays Nicolette can sing. Uh, the actor who Rocky plays... Moore. Yeah, like, they, they picked a lot of singers. But then they sort of are just like, this Nicolette is our main singer. And I think the actress is fantastic. I think she is the weakest singer of all of the characters on the show. And that also is she's singing on every single episode. 
Um, and she is the one who is singing the most. All right, so um, I, got a, I got a question on that note. Um, we can dive into all eight episodes that you've watched here, Jeff. <laughs> what is the what is the best cover and worst cover you heard in eight episodes of this show? Oh my god, what a great! Oh, so there's also a Glee element to this. There is a Glee element, but like they oh they chose to make sure that they were making original songs as well, so that yeah. they could be profiting off of um having those show the songs on spotify as well which i think is like a sort of smart move i don't know man lee dominated the itunes charts into the stadium tour i think they were doing just fine with covers (laughs) yeah it's just um they did uh i got friends in lowly places and i just love that song so i was like cool i'm completely in uh but there is a episode that they do which i thought was very funny they did a christmas special episode uh, that was like the idea of all Christmas specials specials are filmed in July and they sort of like tongue in cheek did that, but they did all of the Christmas songs and I just, it was in, I think it was October. I was not in the mood for it. Um, so maybe that's why I have a sour taste, but based off of everything that I've said about the show Monarch, would you give the pilot even a half a chance? I mean, out of morbid curiosity to see why Susan Sarandon did TV, I guess the, the answer is yes. But I, I wasn't interested in Empire. I wasn't interested in Nashville. Like uh, the the music, the the premise of a musical dynasty family does not interest me in whatsoever. Especially, I have to imagine a lot of people list, listened because they got the parody or like copy, or I'm sorry, uh, like cover rights to do all of these songs and i know that's what you know tickles people's fancy every now and then so um other than that i don't think i'm i don't think i'm watching this one yeah i feel like every year there's like six primetime soap shows that come out now that all last for half a season and i haven't watched any of them to this point so i'm probably not going to start on monarch either sorry jeff <laughs> uh, it's yeah. okay the good wife took all the all the uh, the drama and they used it wisely and no one's topping the good wife. <laughs> well, for those who might have heard my uh, short description of the show and are like, I need more. It's on Hulu. I don't know how long it will be there. Max, <laughs> why don't you tell us a little bit about your <laughs> show? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so I picked a 30 minute comedy from Netflix called Blockbuster. Oh, Ooh. Right. And was it a blockbuster? Uh, so we'll find out. <laughs> uh, so blockbuster being on Netflix dropped its entire run on November 3rd of this year. It lasted 10 episodes. There will be no more. Uh, it's described as being operating the last blockbuster video store in the United States. Timmy Yoon and his employees fight to stay relevant. Uh, so this show actually comes from a pretty big name in the sitcom world right now it was uh created and written by vanessa ramos uh this is her first time working as a showrunner but she's been a writer and producer on brooklyn 99 superstore keenan and uh crashing at hbo with pete holmes um will that come into play later again we'll find out we have a we have a couple of connections then (laughs) oh no uh but this idea doesn't necessarily come organically from Ramos. There's a guy who's a producer on this. His name is John Fox. And he uh, he used to be an executive at DreamWorks and Fox, ironically. And yeah, that makes now more sense. he does, uh, I, I wish there was a term for this, but he does like these big movies, like these big summer 
movies, popcorn flicks, <laughs> oh, franchises. Like, if only there was a, a word to describe. Oh, I've always, I've, I've always called them family videos, but you know. <laughs> yeah, he does big cinematic family videos. That yeah, come out in the summertime. <laughs> so, like my cousin's wedding, that was a pretty big cinematic family video. So, Fox, the producer, not the channel that Monarch is on, he acquires all of the image and likeness rights to blockbuster video and basically wants to create a workplace comedy because he owns this ip which feels (laughs) like such a weird place to root starting a show in. just like yeah i'm i'm rich and i bought the rights to a company's logo now i need to hire someone to make a tv show for me you're talking to two (laughs) business majors uh we're all terrible yeah. <laughs> uh, so so basically, Blockbuster takes place in a Blockbuster in a strip mall in Grandville, what? Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> and the episode starts off with Timmy, played by Randall Park, who uh, essentially he's trying. To, it starts off with him helping a customer, played by Carl Tart who he says that he hasn't seen this guy in a long time. He used to be a regular, and he wants to know what happens. And Carl Tart, I forget his character's name, so I'm just going to call him Carl Tart, uh, <laughs> cuts him off and is like, Netflix. I've been doing Netflix like everybody else. And, and so they basically say the joke right up front, like yeah. nobody goes to Blockbuster anymore. Um, and Timmy gets a call from corporate that every other Blockbuster has gone out of business they're even liquidating the Blockbuster office that his boss is calling from on the phone. And that this Grandville, Michigan location is the only Blockbuster left of the entire business. Corporate's gone. So basically, Timmy's on his own to run Blockbuster as we know it. Uh, so he gets this call. He's trying to help Carl uh, pick a movie recommendation to get over his breakup. Uh, Carl's mad because Netflix keeps recommending him to watch The Great British Bake Off, which he says triggers him because his wife Amanda left him for a pastry chef from Manchester. Um, This show makes so many references to Netflix properties. There's jokes about Great British Bake Off. There's jokes about Bridgerton. It just constantly advertises other Netflix shows uh, throughout it. Would you um, say that feels organic or <laughs> no, no, this, this entire, it sounds this like the en- new space jam. This entire thing. It, yes, it is. It, it's the space jam thing. Or like, like the reps I made, we're talking about Atlanta for like good shows where it's like, instead of taking a, a reference and blowing it out into a new joke or a new idea, the joke is just the reference. It does that throughout the entire thing. Um, you get that scene where all of the ensemble characters come in one by one and have a zippy one-liner to tell you who they are. There's like the sweet, naive young coworker whose last boss definitely sexually harassed her all the time, but she's like naive and blissfully ignorant to it. You got like the brass loud coworker. You've got the movie buff who doesn't want the blockbuster to close because he needs to follow Quentin Tarantino's footsteps by working at a video store. Um, there's an older woman who is played by a grossly underused Olga Meredith, uh, mm-hmm. who was a Tony nominee for In the Heights. Uh, she plays uh, uh, the abuela in that in the movie version. And her whole joke is that she recommends movies, but she doesn't remember the names of the movies. So she just kind of like vaguely describes things that she thinks it gets all the actors wrong. Uh, very funny. Uh, and then Melissa Fumero, 
is also in this. Uh, she was Which is Amy uh, in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And her thing is that she went to Harvard for a semester and then dropped out. And now she's back in her hometown and we don't really know why. Um, look, I... <sighs> <laughs> Max is so heartbroken. <laughs> mm-hmm. I... I Everything in this show, I'm just going to say, it feels like the first pass of a joke, and then they just shot it. Everything Mm. in here, it feels like they had a day to shoot this episode. Everything feels so rushed, so blown through. Um, It's just a lot of references to movies. Randall Park's character to like motivate everyone when they think that their blockbuster is going to close too. Uh, gets on top of the counter and attempts to do the Bill Pullman Independence Day monologue. Um, But there is a plot. They decide (laughs) that they're going to have a block party using all of their friends who have independent businesses in this strip mall to like drive up membership at the Blockbuster. So Randall Park teams up with his old buddy, uh, J.B. Smoove. He has a character name. I don't remember what it is. I'm just going to call him <laughs> J.B. Smoove. Oh, it's it's Percy. So uh, Timmy and Percy, who owns a party store, they team up. And Percy is Timmy's old high school buddy. Uh, he's the reason why Timmy is the only person in the state of Michigan to have ever gotten a ZUI, which is when Timmy drunkenly drove a Zamboni through someone's living room wall in high school. Uh, and Percy is going to hook up Darren with DJs and fireworks and a giant inflatable gorilla that he usually loans out to car dealerships to throw this big membership drive block party. Uh, And then everything goes awry at the block party because JB Smoove's fireworks accidentally uh, launch into the gorilla and the gorilla topples over and everyone goes running. So uh, Carlos, played by Tyler Alvarez of American Vandal fame, the wannabe Quentin Tarantino character, he like films people running through the parking lot and it's revealed later that he made like a kind of crude Instagram reels edit where it looks like the gorilla is attacking people and the local news comes to the blockbuster to cover the gorilla attack because the joke is that the news in this town is dumb. It's just described (laughs) as the news is dumb and they think a gorilla actually attacked people. And from that video, they get this huge membership drive because of Carlos's viral video uh carl tart pops up again at the end to say that uh randall park's video recommendation him was so perfect and got him through his breakup and then uh carl touts uh, shouts algorithms could suck it long live blockbuster uh and that's the end of the episode wow so uh more carl tart and everything that's my one takeaway from this <laughs> i have no less than 30 questions all right well, um, first but... let me just let me just say <laughs> but what I what I do like. Okay. <laughs> I do like that uh I got to see uh a Broadway actor who I respect, and I'm glad that just everyone from the cast of season one of American Vandal is doing good work. Uh Tyler Alvarez getting to be at this, uh Jimmy Tatro starring in home economics uh at ABC. Eduardo Franco starring in movies like Booksmart and the new season of Stranger Things. Lucas Gage starring in season one of The White Lotus. Uh, Even 
uh, Lou it. Wilson being uh, Jimmy Kimmel's new announcer. Uh, season one of American Vandal is great. I'd rather talk about that than this show. <laughs> I can't though because it didn't come out this year. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I like that they were working. I don't really like anything else about this. I'm going to be completely honest. So, Max, I'm going to ask if you could make one change to the show because spoiler i have also seen this pilot but it was not for our podcast um if you could make one change to this show to try to improve it what would you do so i would actually just strip away everything that has to do with blockbuster i think a workplace sitcom in 2022 about a video store has legs to it um it's interesting because like physical music even in the streaming area still has cachet we have record stores there's even like a cd boom happening again in the last few years new artists really see cassette decks uh whether it be for irony or for actually wine that medium um but for some reason movies and tv aren't quite getting that same like physical uh mm medium love that music does yeah so i think there is something inherently funny in the idea of that this thing just doubles down so hard on everything being about ip and i hate using that phrase in entertainment because but like there's no there's no like heart or soul here it's just jokes about references and then their attempts to actually make original jokes just feel like first pass jokes from superstore in brooklyn 99 um there's there's a line where uh Musa Fumero's character makes uh a joke about how like Timmy is in his like 30s and still has roommates and his response is he shouts roommate Darren is missing and like they don't ever address things like that there's a really awkward like one line mission statement where you kind of blink and you miss it and uh, it's when Timmy Randall Park's character says that it's not about uh, it's not about places. He misses people, and that's like his mm. whole thing about why he still wants to work at a blockbuster. He believes in the idea of like community and connecting with people on a face to face level. Um, I also just couldn't get the ick out of my mouth about this being on a streamer. Yeah, um, there's just mm. something. Uh, it's not even ironic. It's just kind of gross about all these jokes about how nobody watches like nobody gets dvds we stream everything and like being so plugging everything on netflix and then at the end to twist it to like suck it netflix it feels so tongue-in-cheek like mm-hmm. hey guys we can make fun of ourselves too like i yeah. i don't know the the vibes were off if i had to sum it up the vibes are off yeah. we are a vibes based podcast so this makes uh makes me feel better about that I, um i would say you know Big Mouth started to do this too. There's like a there over the last like year or two, everyone started like making fourth wall breaks about being on Netflix and stuff like that. I know we talked about like Big Mouth like fucking with the intro flow and stuff like that, and like you know uh, you should you should click skip intro or don't click skip intro because we have like more to show you or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like okay, I mean, just, like, just show us, like, we, we don't need to know that we're on Netflix, we just, like, want to watch something fun, um, it, it is, I, I really do not like the IP-based 
show and mm-hmm. I can tell you how to fix this show, set it in 1995 and and have the problems be around 1995 and like, have like more of a nostalgic thing where pink things aren't solved by cell phones. And yeah, you know, like what I'm, what I go back to and what I think actually would be really fun is like, we have seen a show go into a movie rental like store and be successful. And like that one scene in Dawson's Creek was pretty funny and had some problematic jokes in it with like the teacher wanting to hook up with the student, but whatever. But like that still was a basis of like, Oh, there's something here. Mm -hmm. I would love if they went back to when blockbuster and Netflix was just starting, right? Like, and like, there was like this idea of like, Oh, Netflix sends DVDs right to your house. You don't have to go in store. And like make a joke about the beginning of the demise of Blockbuster as a whole. And there's a little bit more, like if you put it, what, like 20 years in the past, like there's something there that I think could have been a great show. But like, Max, do you even want to ask us if we'd watch this show? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Did I, did I sell you guys on it? Did I do a good job? Did I sell it? I'm actually, I would, I would say I wouldn't watch this negative times because I really like Randall Park and always be my maybe. And yeah. I really don't want that to ruin my perception of him. Carl Tart as well. Carl Tart's on yeah. the come up. I want him to have more roles, but Carl Tart in a lot more things. And That's there's so a, many, the thing is yeah. there's so many people I like. There's so many people from that, like NBC universal world in this, uh, yeah. you know, other adjacent projects. I love too. Melissa I, Fumero. Yeah, yeah, I love same. Melissa Fumero. Um, I, I really like Olga Merides. I really like J.B. Smooth. He's really funny, like, in cameo roles and things. Uh, you know, Tart uh, being on Grand Crew at NBC and formerly being uh, part of the writer's room at 9-9 with Vanessa Ramos. Like, there's a lot of good people in this. But I, I don't know. Am I, am I just an old fogey? Like, do I just not think that a show that's 90% jokes about algorithms and I is like a good idea am i am i well, like they canceled it so you're not alone <laughs> okay yeah I, <laughs> oh, what i would say same max i have the same sort of thing i like everyone who you i like everyone who you just talked about i love them i think that the work that they've done is great work i hope they find other work and like i hate to say it's bittersweet that this got canceled because then they're out of a job but they're also out of a contract so that means they can go and work on something hopefully yeah if you're gonna better. if you're gonna watch anything on uh netflix comedy wise go back and watch season one of american vandal yeah 100 <laughs> percent. all right rich round us out because right. you went with something a little different <laughs> I sure did. And uh, I went with something that I did not know existed until Max told me. Uh, I went with the CBS sitcom How We Roll, which is a show that didn't even last two months on the air. Um, We got 11 episodes of it made. I don't know how much was actually aired. Um, And Max, we actually have a couple crossovers now that you mention it. between between our two shows because uh our my show also takes place in michigan and like blockbuster i had to rent it (laughs) 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 so i paid a dollar 99 to watch this episode on youtube because even though it is a cbs property they have not put it on paramount plus so you can see how much like uh attention and focus and and love that they've given to this show since it aired um this show is very much a we had the right people. Why didn't anyone fix this type situation? So um, the show was created by Max Gross. I'm sorry. Uh, 
I'm sorry, Mark Gross. Um, it has the uh, director, uh, Mark Sandrowski, who is uh, notable for directing the most amount of Big Bang Theory episodes. Oh. So it's someone they have. So 249 of them. He directed 249 of Big Bang episodes, uh, Big Bang Theory episodes. So they put a lot of money into this guy already. They know he knows what he's doing. Um, also, one of the uh, main writers is uh, Michael Glaverman. And Michael Glaverman, uh, you will uh, you will know from uh, writing and uh, directing and producing uh, Third Rock from the Sun, uh, Malcolm in the Middle, like some of our some of my like all time favorite sitcoms. They had the absolute right people to do this. I think the problem was in the writers room. Uh, from looking at the IMDb pages here, the writers room is composed of a lot of like pretty young like comedy writers a lot of people who haven't had a lot of chances on things and i could tell that like you know super stoked uh to to be part of this writer's room and everything uh however it doesn't seem like there was a lot of good like it seems like there was a lot of yes anding with how the script sounds it's not it, like people weren't being critical enough of how the jokes are because oh boy the jokes in this are truly horrendous um, so the series is started on March 31st, ended on May 19th of this year. The series is inspired by the life of professional bowler, Tom Smallwood, who I did not think had a compelling enough story because like, I mean, it, the project in was sold in 2021 under untitled Tom Smallwood project, which does not get my heart racing. I'm so sorry. Wait, they didn't um, keep that so title. They did not keep that title. <laughs> Um, yeah, Jeff really likes that title. <laughs> I like it. It sounds like a great album. <laughs> is that why we is that why we named the podcast Untitled Jeff Kerbis Project? <laughs> uh, so the premise: a thirty five year old Midwestern husband uh, and father gets laid off from his auto plant job, makes the bold decision to provide for his family by become following his dream as a professional bowler. Um, already total snooze fest on that one. Um, you know, I. I totally under i'm here for the plot of like you know this guy providing for his family while they're like you know trying to not get their utilities cut off and stuff like that that's very interesting however none of the people in this really sell that they're in dire straits like none of them seem to like i feel like the acting is okay but they just do not have they don't raise the stakes at all um also one massive thing that i learned about after watching this is that while it is technically based on professional bowler Tom Smallwood, Tom Smallwood left college to join the pro bowling circuit when he was 19. So this has no ties to his life at all. Wait, and, what? And yeah. his dad <laughs> his dad was the person who worked in an auto plant when he was growing up in Michigan. And who didn't leave <laughs> to, yeah. to like join, become a pro professional bowler. He was really good at bowling at 19 won a tournament for $10,000 at 19 and decided, fuck college, I'm going to do this from now on. So significantly less inspiring tale. I don't know where this story comes from. Um, but, you know, it stars Pete Holmes, who uh, obviously started in uh, Crashing, which I really love. He's also one of my favorite joke writers. I think he's like a really talented comedian. I think he gets an awful lot of opportunities um, <laughs> for, for what he does. Um, but you know, that is to say like, he works really hard. I think he's a very like, you know, like interesting and enigmatic person for, you know, how like dorky his jokes are. Um, but the pilot, I mean, you know, he's kind of like a sad sack husband type character. 
Uh, he doesn't really give you anything to really like about him. That's really like, and he's like very nice, but it's also takes place in the Midwest. So everyone's very nice. Mm -hmm. You immediately get an overbearing mother character, which has been like a trope since the, you know, the first TV was invented. Um, you know, uh, the wife character played by Katie Lowe's, um, who you'll remember very recently as the trusting reporter friend in an inventing Anna, the, uh, oh. um, uh, I forgot her last name. Uh, well, her fake last name. Um, oh, Anna so Delvey. Anna yeah. Delvey, the Anna Delvey story. So very strange trajectory on that one. Also a bowler, a big bowler. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she did with all that money. Just bowling. I, I bowled a 300. You didn't see it. <laughs> 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 uh okay so the two biggest characters in this uh or the two biggest actors in this are shy mcbride um who you would recognize from uh give me a second i can count myself back in i forgot um oh he was on uh he was on boston public uh he was also in gone in 60 seconds uh he had 160 episodes on hawaii 50 uh, 61 episodes as Nick Fury in Ultimate Spider-Man, like, you know, has done quite a bit. Uh, second, uh, most like, you know, accomplished actor in this is Taj Maori. Uh, Taj Maori made his, his first debut on an episode of Who's the Boss when he was four years old. Um, and then since then has been like a series lead in like several, uh, or series regular in several things like, uh, Baby Daddy, um, uh, Kim Possible. There's like a ton of like, uh, he he has a pretty long list of projects that he's been in. Uh, these two actors are not a massive part of the story. They, you know, they're they are bowling alley employees. One of uh, Shy McBride becomes Pete Holmes's like bowling coach. Uh, Pete Holmes essentially can like bowl two sixty games on a regular basis, and the average of a professional bowler who makes a lot of money is like two fifty or below. Um, and so. You know, it's not, he starts like, uh, he starts like getting into, after losing his job, he starts getting into the premise of like, oh, maybe I could become a professional bowler. Like he, they're watching bowling on TV and it's like, this guy's about to win X amount of dollars and, and bowling at a lower score than he just did in a practice game. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the show just like does not make this compelling whatsoever. Like, um, you know. The, the jokes are wildly sitcom-y. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so uh, we the kid has, we have a sassy, smart-mouthed kid, uh, an overly understanding wife, and then a smothering uh, mother-slash-mother-in-law that lives very close to the house and can drop in at a moment's notice. Sure. Um, one of the jokes that I wrote down that was extremely hacky was, uh, did you love working at the factory? And Pete, or his kid asked, did you love working at the factory? Pete Holmes replies, you know, when mom makes meatloaf and we both say we love it, it was like that. I was Classic. like, that is, that is the type of humor that you have in this. And I don't understand why they went, why there wasn't more of like an editing or a filtering process for mm -hmm. the jokes in this. Because I know with the names that are attached to this, they could figure it out better. What I'll say is I think Pete Holmes is a charming dork, right? Um, I think that he is someone that we all know a Pete Holmes, but he's just a funnier version. So it's really disappointing to hear you say like the jokes are just 
it sounds like the jokes are a less dorky version of what Big Bang Theory did. And they were just like, Big Bang Theory, but make it Midwestern bowling. Like, that's just, that's sad. It wasn't even that. I, I feel like, because I've, I've been forced to watch some episodes of Big Bang Theory because my parents <laughs> like it. Um, Clockwork Orange I, style. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just like, I just really do not like that show. Bazinga. Um, Bazinga. <laughs> But but then, like I can still recognize that the jokes are well thought out. Like the, you know, they're not great, but they're still like a good premise and everything. This is more like it's so heavily trodden joke territory mm-hmm. that it was probably hacky thirty years ago to go over this stuff. And yeah. so I was like, I was a little, a little bummed out. Number one, that I mean, and I think in the new year we're gonna cover Mulaney, um of just like a a talented comedian who is like far beyond the joke writing of this show. And, you know, you see that a lot. And I have to imagine in the sense, in the same like line as Mulaney and everything I've heard about Seinfeld is that they try to keep the people, the network executives as far away from the creation process as possible. Because I think what happens is if you let them get their paws in it, uh that's what happens they they're like okay what about a joke about meatloaf or you know they're the, the mom's cooking or something like that and i'm Midwestern like okay people love maybe meatloaf. that was funny <laughs> yeah that was like barely funny on like i love lucy it, it's like it really it's such well-worn joke territory and i know the writers were not proud of that when when it came on um, yeah i mean this just sounds like a really like uh by the book, overly safe CBS multicam, and some of them work. I mean, I haven't seen it, but it feels like Ghost is kind of a hit for them right now. But a lot of these shows really come and go for them, and it just feels like this is appealing to, you know, the Midwest, and it just uh-huh. didn't fire. Yeah, and and I looked through, I looked through the uh, the Wikipedia for like remaining episodes just to see if it like the the premises improve at all um he doesn't even start going to a bowling tournament until episode four so that means there's three episodes of them just talking about it and then uh the you know uh there's an episode called the laundry basket and i just want to read to you guys the premise just so you can understand how fucking terrible this uh this show is when tom finds helen helen is his mom Stuck in a laundry basket at her home and learns she's been there for hours. He suggests he move into his house, much to Jen's chagrin. Jen is the wife. Uh, Meanwhile, Jen is frustrated over looking for a new job, but soon learns that some of her salon clients are willing to get their hair done in her home. Hijinks ensue. Like, I I don't know. It's just like, I truly, like, I just don't understand why it had to be so ham-fisted. They could have got better writers for this. All right, I got a, I got a new pitch for you guys. Yeah. So it's a sitcom <laughs> about, about it's about a mother-in-law who gets stuck in her laundry hamper. No, 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 so, no, Max, Max, no. Max, 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 Max. You can't read your search history for us again. <laughs> so uh, she gets taken in by uh, her uh, juvenile naive son-in-law to live with them but the entire time she's in the laundry hamper we, just we stuck never in... see <laughs> this sounds her, like the less it, this sounds like the less interesting version of all of the grandparents in charlie and the chocolate factory yeah just so being it's, in it's the just bed. <laughs> it's just feet flailing in the air uh and it's called hampered down oh, oh my god 
I think we just sold our first pilot. Um, Rich, All right, I guess I'll get a bigger house. Let's go. <laughs> so, like, my thing is, when you describe this, like, one, um, if you have not watched Ghosts, I recommend it. It's actually a really good single cam, and I love everyone who's in okay. that show. It's actually really funny. But I am on, I think we as a society, and I will stand on the carpet that I am on right now and say, should move past the multicam. We are long, like, when Big Bang Theory ended, I think as a whole, we should probably say goodbye to the multicam and we have moved past it. But I but, I just I disagree. I just like I I really think when the right idea comes around they can do it because like I really enjoyed how I met your mother. Obviously I started watching that when I was in like high school and college, so you sure. know, different frame of mind. Like it was still I think you know, the multicam just makes writing the most important thing. And I think that is, I think that's good. I think, uh, I think episodes should have like really strong, like, I mean, some of my, some of my favorite shows still Seinfeld, Cheers, et cetera, all really strong multicams that probably could be updated. Could be made today. work today. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, I just think, you know, Okay, so one of the creators of the show also created Mike and Molly, another like extremely popular run sure. on CBS. And don't get me wrong, like I don't think this show did poorly. Like the pilot got four point two million. Um, they didn't have a single episode that was lower than two point nine seven million in following oh, wow. like viewership, which isn't super impressive. I mean, in the last show before it got canceled, three point zero six. Well, the well, audience fell nothing. asleep with the TV on an hour before. Yeah, no, that, that, that could be it. <laughs> I got I, a question for really the forum. Rich. So based on the character yeah. that this show is inspired by, being a bowling prodigy who entered his first tournament at 19, um, we went to a school that offered bowling <laughs> as an elective. Sure. Do you think we messed up? Should we have all taken bowling? Should we... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if I could win yeah. $10,000 bowling a, a, a two forty in a tournament, that sounds pretty solid. As long, I feel like if I uh, could yeah. take a bowl, if I could take a bowling class, as long as I'd be able to then say, whenever people are like, "You want to go bowling?" and not be that coy, sheepish, could we use lanes possibly, or like have the <laughs> dividers? That would make we're that bowling bumpers. class well worth it. Bumpers, <laughs> bumpers, we're doing bumpers, right? Like I'll just say, everyone needs lanes to go bowling. It's, it's yes. a very essential part of the sport. Also, they could have just called this "Stay in Your Lane," which is a oh, name. that's it's a great a name. name, a better name for a show uh, with a guy trying to decide between two career paths. Perfect. Rich, Anyways. you're just proving more and more that you need to be a producer. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put my resume in the uh, episode notes of this. Um, also, okay, so I want you guys to just like understand how much CBS gave up on this show because uh, after looking at the Wikipedia on like the air dates and everything, they started doubling up. Oh no, episodes. that's a bad sign. Yeah, so there it goes from like all right, weekly, March thirty first, April seventh, April fourteenth, April twenty first, and then April twenty eighth, April twenty eighth, and then May twelfth, May twelfth, and then May nineteenth, May nineteenth. Which means they had to like, I mean, they're they're literally trying to burn things up. They're yeah. they're trying to get rid of these episodes, which that's wild. Sucks. I mean, like, I really, I wanted, I wanted more for Pete Holmes. Like, I really enjoyed Crashing. I thought Crashing was one of like the better shows about like realistic comedy stuff. Um, 
you know, it's not super realistic. He makes it in comedy like in a year. Um, but, um, you know, I, I just like, I'm really disappointed. We do, however, get one massive benefit from one of the creators of the show having worked on third rock from the sun. Uh, and that is, we got notable guest French Stewart. Uh, yes. <laughs> hell yeah. Yes. Let's go. I did not watch that episode and I won't. <laughs> All right. So Rich. Yeah. Are you even going to suggest that we are asked the question of if we would watch this pilot or not? Literally, no. No, no I don't, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear both of you guys say no for different reasons, and then we burn a couple minutes on that one. Instead, uh-huh. instead of my game of the week, I, uh, I want to just say that uh, the rental for this episode cost $1.99, and I'm going to just list off a, a couple other things that could I could have used that $1.99 on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so six minutes of air at the gas station tire pump, uh, parking for 15 minutes in New York City, one Redbox movie, a gallon of gasoline in 1998, one Taco Bell taco, <laughs> one, <laughs> one sport bottle of Poland spring water, 20 ounces or more, a uh, half dozen eggs, two collagen sheet masks, and the song Torn by Natalie Imbruglia on iTunes twice. <laughs> well, and that is my list ooh. of things that I could have spent $2 on instead. That is that is wonderful. Rich, <laughs> thank you. You're um, very welcome. So I actually do have a legacy that I want to talk about this week. Uh, and this is the legacy of 2022 for television. Um, so including these three shows that we just talked about, there were 110 different shows that were canceled in 2022. 43 of them were only in their first season. Uh, now that might seem super doom and gloom for those who are aspiring to create a TV show, but I got good news for you. In case you're worried, there were 564 TV shows that got renewed in 2022. Mm -hmm. Finally, I did want to mention a couple of shows that ended on their own terms, very similar to Dottie in Monarch. We have Atlanta, Better Call Saul, Blackish, The Crown, Dairy Girls, The Flash, Gracie and Frankie, Killing Eve, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, A Million Little Things, Ozark, Peaky Blinders, Riverdale, This Is Us, The Walking Dead, and Whose Line Is It Anyways, who, anyway, who ended their uh, run after 12 seasons. So wait, wait, wait. Uh, this is how I find out that Maisel ended. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I believe it's getting one more season, maybe next year. But they announced they will not be renewing it for multiple seasons. Oh, um, wow. so there is some hope for us. Um, with that all said, gentlemen, as we wrap up the year of television that is 2022, looking bright-eyed into 2023 and the pilots that it might bring us. Where can we find you both? Uh, well, just really quick, if you're upset that we didn't talk about Ed O'Neill for the third week in a row, don't worry. He's going to be playing uh, disgraced NBA owner Donald Sterling in FX's The Sterling Affairs next oh, year. So <laughs> we'll be coming at you with we'll be coming at you with more Ed O'Neill in 2023. Don't you worry. Uh, you can find me on all things social media at Maxwell Singh. You can find original sketch comedy for myself and Rich over on TikTok at Dad Wagon Comedy. Uh, you can find me wondering how they turn the, Don- the Donald Sterling voicemails into a series uh, over on Instagram at Damn That's Rich. You can also follow, yeah, please follow us on uh, TikTok, Dad Wagon Comedy. Uh, 
I'm so sorry that you had to hear about how we roll today. I deeply apologize. I I, I regret nothing about Blockbuster. <laughs> <laughs> and you will find me uh, conspirarizing why Fox's marketing department decided to just talk about Susan Sarandon with Monarch. You can also find me on social media at RunJethRun on Instagram and Twitter. You can find the TV Pilots license anywhere you listen to podcasts, as well as on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram at the TV Pilots license. If you have a question about the show or for our next episode, you can email us at tvpilotslicense at gmail.com or give us an email at 213-290-1713. Make sure to watch our Instagram because sometimes we do competitions. Sometimes we'll sneak preview episodes that are coming up and we'll be looking for your questions. With the plane landed for the last time in 2022 and the seatbelt sign off, we look forward to flying the bright skies of the TV world with you again soon. And until then... Old acquaintance be <laughs> forgot. I will find Pete Holmes. See you in 2023, everyone. Happy to hear y'all. <laughs> <laughs>